Christmas can be a little bit complicated. It can be a little bit chaotic because it changes our routine. It changes everything that we do kind of being, it changes our normal. We bring in all sorts of new decorations into our house. We move around furniture so we can stick a big tree in the middle of our house, right? We, uh, we, we, we change our shopping schedule. We change our bank account. I mean, going up, right? And we, we, change, uh, we, we change our schedule. We go to parties. We change all sorts of things at Christmas uh, because solely for the fact that it is Christmas. Now, this wreaks havoc on people like me. Now, if you're like me, you like a lot of order, and routine. Is there any like type A OCD people schedulers out there? Okay, very good. Me and you are here. The rest of you, I don't even know how you live your life. But, um, uh, but I'm, I'm a routine guy. I like, uh, I like time frames. I like to know when things start. I also like to know when things end. I like, I like that kind of structure. It helps me in my routine. So Christmas time throws that off. A good bit, because everything's a bit different. We're asking questions that we normally don't, right? Because of the changes that are happening. Now, more so than anything else is family get-togethers, right? There's, there's lots of family get-togethers. Now, normally when I'm with my side of the family, I'm, I'm kind of at ease. I know what's going to happen. I know what we're going to eat. All of these things, because I've been doing that my entire life. Now, now when we go to my wife's side of the family, uh, it, it's, it's, they're, they're great people, believe me. Uh, but it's, it's different than the way that I grew up. And it's changed for me. And the last time I saw them was, you know, last Christmas. So, I mean, it's, it's, there, there's some change there. And, and I'm, you know, as, and tell me if you're with me on this. On the car ride there, I know what time that we're supposed to be there. And so we're kind of talking about, we're kind of talking about who's going to be there, what changes have happened during the year, these kind of things. And then, and then there's that question for me that I know that I probably shouldn't ask, but, but I, I almost have to so that I can be sane. And it goes something like this. How, how, how long uh, are we going to, you know, how, how long are we going to be present at this gathering, right? Because I, I have to have a time frame. I can't, it, it can't just be indefinite, right? I have to have structure. I can be the best brother-in-law, you know, I can be the, bre- the best son-in-law, I can be the best cousin-in-law ever if I have parameters. But if it's indefinite, I have no idea what, you know, what time this thing is going to end. I might go crazy in the first 15 minutes because, you know, it happened at Thanksgiving. I, it's like we're only about two hours into this. We finished dinner and, you know, me and Adrian had a private moment. I'm like, hey, are we ready to go? And she's like, no, we're going to stay for another like four hours. It's like, oh, I'm glad, glad that we had this conversation now, right? Okay. Um, so, Anyway, so it, I need these parameters. I need, I need, con- and here's, here's the reason why I need it. Because I need to control the chaos. There's so much change and it's so chaotic that I need, I need to have that control. And the reason why, I mean, I think we all desire some type of control. We all desire to, to, to have some tor- type of structure. And the reason why that is, at some, at some level, the reason why that is, is because God created us and designed us and God brought order into chaos, and he designed us to be structured human beings at some level, some more than others. But a lot of us desire some type of routine, right? And we kind of, we get a little bit flustered when the routine gets changed. And God, God there's nothing wrong with that. Kind of God created us that way, right? And so we come up with, and we have sayings that we usually, that we, that we use at times that that lend itself to be like this. And I think I got a couple of them on the screen. You, tell me if you've, if you've said one of these. Everything happens for a reason. 
Who said that before? Everything happens for a reason. How about this one? I don't believe in coincidence that there is some giant uh, you know, scheme that God is working. You just haven't met the right person yet, college students, right? You just haven't met the, met the right person yet. I just, it, it just wasn't meant to be. Things don't go right. It just wasn't meant to be. Now, these questions come out of our sense of order. They come out of our design that says you need structure, because you don't, like, you don't like that much change. Now, um, all of these are actually true. Because God does have a plan. He, the Bible calls it God's will. He does, have, he does have a plan. He knows. He sees all of, all of history. And he has ordered all things so that his will might come to pass, right? But Christmas changes a lot of that for us. Because we all have our idea of what our life is supposed to be like. We all have our dreams and our aspirations and how we look at the world as normal. We want to, we want to, you know, we want to know, we want to get, grow up, we want an education, we want to know some things, we want to get a good job, we want to get married, we want to have kids, we want to have, you know, you know, have, make sure those kids are good kids and they are able to go off to college and they get married and they have kids and we have grandkids. And we all have this great plan that fits into uh, what we believe is God's plan for our life and that none of that should change. However, Christmas reminds us at times that that plan sometimes doesn't work out like we want it to. And yeah, we live our life every day with those changes in the plan, but it just so happens that I think Christmas brings out some of those changes and kind of puts a highlighter over them or a spotlight on them and says, this is one of the areas where things didn't really work out the way that uh, you wanted it to. So it might look like Christmas reminds us that we don't have a job or that we lost our job this year. And Christmas reminds us why, because it's time to buy presents and we don't have as much money as we used to. Christmas reminds us at Christmas, at the Christmas dinner table that mom or grandma is no longer sitting in the seat that she used to because she died of cancer this year. It's a change. It's a change that we don't like. Christmas reminds us and sometimes reminds our children that there was a divorce in the family somewhere where there's split and, you know, I've got to go to this house for a couple hours and then I've got to venture over to this house for a couple hours. And, and Christmas reminds us because it's such a chaotic time that there are, have been changes where, where my will for my life or my plan for my life hasn't really worked out for the best. And Christmas also reminds us that are we really, do we really believe this story? Do we really believe that there's this baby born of a virgin? Like that just sounds like a once upon a time kind of deal. Now, here's the deal, and I want you to write this down. The, the changes of Christmas often remind us that life has not gone according to plan and is often chaotic. Christmas reminds us that our life has not gone according to our plan and is often pretty chaotic. So here's the deal, and I, I kind of talked about this last week. What do we, the reason why we, we have all of this stuff at Christmas is so that we can then take back the you know take back control of the chaos we get ourselves our solution for this is busyness consumption and distraction busyness consumption distraction i mean that's what that's what christmas is all about the reason why is because we have all these changes that we really don't like and so what we do is we have we try to get out there and we take try to take back control of our life 
and distract ourselves with all sorts of things because I don't want to think about the fact that I don't have a job. I don't want to think about the fact that grandma died this year. I don't want to think about the fact that, that, that my, my marriage isn't really good. I want to distract myself with all of these things at Christmas because my life isn't the way that I wanted it to be. <clears throat> now, I, I think uh, what's, what's great about Scripture, and we're going to be looking uh, in, um, in Matthew chapter 1 uh, today. So if you have a Bible... Uh, you can turn to Matthew chapter 1. Now, if you're not too familiar with the Bible, that's okay. It will be up on the screen, but we'd love for you to have a Bible of your own. Uh, we do have a bunch of them, so if you don't have a Bible, you, um, uh, we'd love to get you one after the service for sure, and you can take it home. It's free. It's our gift to you. Um, the book of Matthew is going to be kind of, uh, you know, past halfway. Uh, it is this guy. Uh, it's the first book in the New Testament, if that helps you at all. Uh, but uh, Matthew is this guy who was a disciple or one of the 12 that followed Jesus around. He was one of these guys that Jesus picked to, to be one of his followers. And Matthew was a tax collector, or in modern day, he would have been a, uh, an IRS agent, right? And this guy, uh, this guy saw everything that Jesus did in his public ministry. He hung out with him for about three years. Now, during those three years, Jesus would make multiple trips back home. And there's many stories actually in Matthew where Jesus' mother, Mary, comes onto the scene. Now, they, I'm sure that they would have had meals together, uh, that they would have had get-togethers. They might have even gone home for whatever holidays. They would have seen each other uh, at, at different holidays. And I'm sure, especially if, if let's just say that Mary, Mary had a pretty interesting birth story. I mean, it's not just every day that you have a, you know, have a baby when you're a virgin. So, I mean, that's, it's a pretty, that's a pretty big, interesting birth story. Uh, and so I'm pretty sure that that was shared. And so Matthew is actually writing down exactly what he heard from the first person account of the mother of Christ. And so, uh, so you might be thinking, you know, you might equate the Christmas story, what we're about to read and what you heard just now from the Sides family, you might equate it with a once upon a time type thing, or you might equate it with, I mean, I mean Santa Claus and the reindeer. You might, you might put that all together into one giant myth. Now, uh, what, what you have to realize, though, is that this is real. This is a firsthand account. This really did happen, which is pretty cool. So I want you to follow along uh, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, so in the first chapter, uh, verse 18. And it'll be up on the screen. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now here's the deal. Let me give you a little background. Now Matthew says, look, I mean that phrase, it took place in this way, meaning this is exactly what happened. I'm not making this up. I heard it from the horse's mouth. I mean, I heard the whole thing. This is exactly how it happened. It took place in this way. And it, it says that Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Now, let me explain how this is, because we really don't have this. They were basically married. They had been betrothed, meaning that Joseph, uh, that his, their families had gotten together, put them together, and they had come into legal contract with one another to be married. Now, this time period was pretty long, and most people would say, well, Mary was just the fiancé of, of Joseph. That is true. Basically, what happens is they are legally married but that the marriage hasn't been consummated yet. Now, if you don't know what that means, go home and ask your mom, and, uh, and she'll tell you. All right, so uh, the, the marriage hasn't been consummated yet, and so therefore they're not fully married completely yet. But in order for, in order for them to split, it would be like having a divorce, okay? Uh, so... Uh, so before they came together, she was found to be with child. Now, the language here is basically she was showing. 
She was showing this pregnancy. It, was, it could no longer be hid. Joseph found this out because Mary eventually was just showing, right? In verse 19, it says this, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now here's Joseph, average guy, average Joe, you might even say, right? He was just, and he wanted to help her, and he was compassionate. Now this is pretty tough. Now the law that Joseph knew well called for her, uh, possibly the harshest punishment was to be stoned because she was pregnant out of wedlock, right? And she obviously, I mean, Joseph hadn't consummated the marriage yet, so somehow something was a little bit wrong, okay? Right? So he he knows that the just legal thing to do that he's been taught all of his life is to, to put her away publicly if he wanted to, but then there's this piece of his heart, which is grace in his heart and compassion in his heart that says, eh, you, you need to handle this a little bit better. So there's this tug of war going on. And he says, well, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put her away or divorce her quietly. And I love the language here. It says this in verse 20. And I, wanted, I want you to capture this if you have a Bible, you know, underline this. But as he considered these things, as he considered these things, I, I kind of see that as probably days or maybe a month or so of trying to really work this out. What should I do? Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He considered these things and then an angel just appears. Like, okay, I'm going to give you the answer. I'm thinking about it. I'm praying about it. I'm wondering, God, what am I supposed to do? And God shows up on the scene and speaks to him and Joseph listens. That's important. I want you to get that. Joseph is He's conceiving of these things. He's wondering, what should I do? Should I put her away? Should I divorce her? Nowhere in his mind is, I'm going to keep going on this. It's either, it's either publicly denounce her or privately denounce her. That's my two choices. What should I do? And God comes on the scene and says, I want you to keep her. It's a redemptive story. 21, and I love this. This is the definite part. So if you're skeptical about this story, here's where your definite parts come in. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. These are absolute definite statements. It's, it's not kind of, or this might happen, it is this will happen. I love those absolute statements. I mean, they leave no room for kind of gray, uh, like this kind of gray argument. It is, this will happen, he, she will bear this son, you shall call him Jesus, and he will save those people from their sins. And all of this took place, verse 22, all of this took place to fulfill what, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up from the dream, circle this, he did. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not. Now you can also, you know, that's important. Knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now last week I asked you, uh, I asked you to, to ask yourself a question. Is Jesus the facade of your Christmas or is he the focus of your Christmas? Do you actually plan to focus on Christ during this season, or do we just use Jesus as an excuse to do everything else that we want to do? The shopping, the decorating, the parting, the, the, the eating, everything. Do we just use Jesus as Jesus' birth as an excuse to do what we really want to do? 
Is it a facade? Or is Jesus our focus? And that's a pretty important question. And I hope that you asked yourself that question. Because here's my answer to when I asked myself that question was, I gotta be honest, and there are seriously times where the 25th of December is simply a date on the calendar that gives me excuses to buy stuff for my family. Or to buy stuff for myself. Or to eat a lot of food. Or to party. Or decorate my house. It really is. I have to be honest with myself. And I really don't, I don't think I'm alone in that. I really hope I'm not. I think that we all kind of struggle with that. If we were to ask ourselves that question honestly, I think that we would struggle with that. Because we, we, we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to fill up our time with busyness, consumption, and distraction because we can't handle all the changes. We have to grab control somehow. We have to. Now, there's, there, what I think is there, there's, I, I'm, if you answered that question in your heart and you said, uh, you know, I, Jesus really is the focus of my Christmas. I'm thankful for you. I want to talk to you because I want to know how you do that, right? Uh, that, that's awesome that you're walking with the Lord. The rest of us, I think, uh, I, I think fall in three different categories uh, this Christmas as to why we kind of get into this busyness, consumption, and distraction. We kind of fall into three different categories, and I want to talk to you specifically and kind of find out where you might be in this. The first is, you might be skeptical about the birth of Christ. You might be skeptical about the birth of Christ. The story has become a little bit unbelievable to you. It seems like, uh, you know, it seems like a good Disney flick. Something that needs to be in a cartoon somewhere, right? So, you know, it, it really, I'm not really sure that all of that really happened. And, you know, there's all these other Christmas traditions. You know, it, obviously they didn't even use the word Christmas when Jesus is born. I've had people ask me, you know, it, it, Jesus wasn't really born on December 25th. What does that mean? How do we even know that he was born during that time? Was he even born in December at all? I mean, uh, the, and, and so doesn't that negate the fact that we celebrate Christ during this time? And I would say this. I'm not going to try to answer all those questions, but I will say this. I'm glad that you are here. Because this church is a safe place for you to find that truth. And I want you to stay here. And I want you to find truth within this body of people that have faith. Because I believe that every word of this story is true the way that it's spoken of in the Bible. And I believe that if you are a true, earnest seeker of the truth, you will find the same thing that I have. And I want to walk beside you in doing that. I think it's okay for you to be skeptical. I really do. And that's okay. I think it's okay. I want you to stay here and I want you to seek the truth with us because we're all truth seekers. I want you to find out. And when you find out that truth, I want you to believe it. So it's okay for you to be skeptical in this place. And how we're going to find that truth is we're going to find it right here in Scripture. So that might be you. You might be skeptical about the birth of Christ. Secondly, the reason why uh, you have busyness, consumption, and distraction this Christmas uh, might be because um, you're broken because things haven't gone. They've gone kind of wrong this year. You might be a little bit broken. Because maybe this year you lost someone that you love dearly. That they will not be at Christmas dinner this year because you lost them somehow. That maybe you, uh, you might be in that place where your marriage is in trouble and you, it makes you even ill to think about doing Christmas traditions with this person that you're really, you're really living with that, that you really don't even like anymore. 
and you have to put them in this front for everybody that we're a big one, happy family, but really behind closed doors we're really struggling. And the things are broken inside. And so you distract yourself with more consumption and busyness this Christmas because you don't want to deal with the fact that your marriage is really struggling. Uh, your family might be struggling because you've had a divorce in your past and there's now girlfriends and boyfriends and new husbands and new wives and, and all sorts of things and things are just broken and the kids are confused about what's happening with our family and things are just simply broken or you might uh, have a job that's lost or um, you're not making as much income and so things are just not going according to your plan. And let me tell you, you are not alone in this. You are not alone in the fact that things haven't worked out according to your plan. Look at Joseph and look at Mary. Do you think that it was Joseph's plan? Do you think that this is part of Joseph's plan? To marry a pregnant woman that claims that she's never, that she's a virgin? That's really difficult. Would you? Right? You think it was part of Mary's plan to be pregnant Right? Without the fun part? Right? Do you think that that was, but do you think that that's part of her plan? No. Do you think that was part of, of Joseph's plan to play obstetrician in a barn? Do you think that was part of his plan? Do you think that it was part of Mary's plan to watch her son beaten and crucified to death 33 years later? Do you think that that was part of their plan? The story is that God has a plan. And through all of that, through all of those mishaps, through all of those wrongs, that God has a plan. And through this, through all of what I just said, he brought salvation to the world through this plan. And he brought redemption to you and I through a baby in a manger and a man on a cross who loves you dearly. And in your brokenness, he wants to carry you. In your joblessness, he wants to provide. In your broken family, he wants to redeem. In your lost, he wants to give you hope of heaven, of meeting that person one day again for all of eternity. He wants to give you that, and it's okay if you're broken. It's just not okay to stay there. Christ wants to mend your life. Don't distract yourself with everything that has to happen. I want to share with you this verse, and I'll go on. Ephesians 1.11 says this. In him... We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined. And I want you to, you can go to your Bible, Ephesians 1.11. This is great. According to the purpose of him who works. What's that word right there? All things. Say it again. Say it with me. All things. What does he mean by all things? All things. Right? Everything that is happening to you is happening according to the counsel of his will. He's molding you together. Jordan came up to me, Jordan Dasher, uh, came up to me before the service and we're talking about the prayer time together. And he said, he said, I believe that God has handed this to us so that we might be able to suffer well for the cause of Christ and show other people how to suffer well so that they can know how to trust Jesus. Huh? Would you say that if your little three-year-old was going through that? I don't know if I would. But he did. He's choosing to trust God in his plan. Third, this might be you. You might be unengaged in your relationship with God. You might be unengaged with your relationship with God. 
and this, I, I, it, it happens. It happens to me. It happens to you. I know that it happens to all of us. That at some point we kind of lose, lose focus. And Jesus goes to the back burner, right? And, and you might be a believer in this room and you might have kind of, this, this year has been, you know, random and tough. Or you might have just gotten busy. It might be really, really good and God is blessing, but you've kind of gotten off focus. You know him. And you might have been a Christian for some time, but you're not close. And here's another scenario as to why we, you know, the reason why we, why we create all this busyness, distraction, and consumption at Christmas is simply because we don't really want to re-engage with the real Jesus. And some of you are here, and I, I love this. We have a, we have a, uh, we have a ton of folks that are, that are coming from, uh, you know, Catholic backgrounds, or you might be, you might be in kind of a uh, liturgical background of some kind, and you, uh, you went through communion, and you went through um, uh, all, those, all those different religious-type things in your life when you were a child or, or a little bit younger, uh, and, and you, went through, you went to a church that was telling you, do this, don't do this, say this, say this prayer, because you need to make sure that you uh, appease God because he's angry and he needs to be happy with you. Uh, and so therefore, you know, therefore you have to do all of these things to make sure that you appease God. And church, as you got older, church became non-essential. And a relationship with God became kind of skeptical. And it didn't make much sense. And I didn't really like that. And now you're here. You're here in this church and you see something that's a little bit different. You see a spark that you've never seen before. You feel something emotionally in your heart that is, um, that is more than just emotion. It's spiritual. That's, it's something larger than yourself that you don't quite understand. And you're here and you love it because it's something, about, it's something about church. It's something about the people of God that you've never really engaged with before. Let me tell you what that is. And that is the Holy Spirit working in your heart, knocking on the door saying, I want you to re-engage with Christ. And there's no better time to do that than at Christmas. It's a story of Jesus becoming a man just like you. And wanting relationship with you. So we have to realize that our busyness, our consumption, and our distraction comes from the possibility that we are unengaged in our relationship with Christ. And it would take effort for us to focus back on our relationship with Jesus. And so I ask you, there, you might be one of those people that, hey, I'm focused on Christ. I'm walking with Christ daily, and that's, that's absolutely fantastic. I'm, I'm thankful for you. Keep, keep doing that. You might be skeptical about this story. Stay here. Seek truth. You might, be, uh, you might be broken. I know that there might be a lot of you. Christmas brings that out on us. You might be broken in this room. Let me tell you that redemption is here for you. And then, uh, and then if you're unengaged with your relationship with God, I want to tell you how you can re-engage. I want to tell you how you can focus on Christ. And that's what, this, uh, that's what this is about. And there is a solution. There is a solution to all of those things, and, it, it, and it's coming. And I want to tell you about that solution, but there is one step that I need you to take before I tell you about that solution, okay? And that's what this, that, this is how we're going to conclude today. I just want you to take one small step, and next week I'm going to tell you about the solution. Okay, there's a solution to the busyness. There's a solution to the distraction. There's a, there's a solution to the consumption. And I want to tell you all about that. But there is one small step that I want you to take that we're going to get from Joseph. Last, uh, about nine years ago, it'd be almost nine years ago, 
uh, me and my best friend, he was my best man at my wedding. His name is Roby. He's a pastor down in uh, South Florida. And, uh, uh, and at the time, we were college students. I had just graduated from college, and we were in a time period between my graduation from college and, our, uh, and me and Adrian's wedding in January. And uh, we actually, we needed some work, and so uh, my dad actually bought a, um, he bought this, like, fixer-upper. It was like a flip-this-house kind of thing down in South Florida. And we didn't know what it was like. I was like, hey, cool, well, you know, well, we can do it in, like, four or five weeks. It sounds great. And he said, it, you know, he told me, he was like, it's pretty rough. You're going to have to work pretty hard. You and Roby are going to have to work pretty hard on this. I said, okay. And we get down there. We're all excited. we got our work boots on. We're ready to go the first day. And we show up at this house. It's looking pretty rough on the outside. And we open the door. You ever seen hoarders? Right? Who's seen hoarders? All right. All right. This house was like the party college house plus hoarders put together all in one. Right? I mean, it is, it was rough. It was rough. And we opened the door and started kind of trying to walk through the house. And it was almost impossible. The stench was crazy awful. I mean, there's trees. There was brand, there's shrubs growing into the bushes of the house. It was awful. And we, didn't, we had no idea. And we walked through this house and completely overwhelmed with just the busyness, all the stuff that was in this house, all the trash that was in the house. And we, we didn't know what to do with it. And, and I looked at him like, dude, where do we even start this project? And he looked at me he'd like, out of, it was like this fear in his eyes. I have no idea where to even begin with this project. So we go out the front door and we just sit on the steps and we look at each other. It was probably for a good half hour just looking at each other like, what are we going to do? Like, I have no, this is, this is, they did not tell the truth about what this was. And, and, and so we just went, we looked at each other, kind of, what are, what are we going to do? And finally, I was like, I got I to gotta call my dad. And he's got to come and tell us what we should do. And so we called, and, we, and I said, Dad, you need, to, you need to come over here, and you need to give us some guidance on what's going on. And we had nothing. We didn't even know the first step. We sat down on the, on the porch together, or what was kind of the porch. And he sat down with us. He took a look around. And then for the next half hour, he laid out a plan for us and told us what to to do next. And then what to do after that, and then what to do after that, and what to do after that. And all we did was listen. All we did was listen. We didn't try to rummage through stuff. We just listened. You remember that part of the story that I just read where Joseph was just contemplating these things and he's wondering what God is going to say? That was us in that moment. We couldn't tackle this project. We needed to just listen. And just like my dad did this, I believe our Father God will come and speak to us as long as we rest and just simply listen. And listen what he would have for us to know. But the problem is, is that we do not, we don't lay aside our busyness long enough to actually listen. So here's what I want you to do. And this is just a small step. I'm gonna, we're going to clear all this up next week on, on kind of like some practical steps on how to fill uh, the room. But if we're, I, I want to make sure that we're, we're doing one step. Before, we're going to take one step this week. And this is it. This is the bottom line if you're taking notes. Making room for Christ means making time to listen. Making room for Christ means making time to listen. If you're skeptical, making room for this idea of Jesus in your life means making time to listen. Right? If you're broken... Making room for Christ means making time to listen to him. If you don't even know what to do, if you don't know what that next step is, if you're lost, if, you're, if you're, you lost your job, you lost your family, you're losing your marriage, it's time to listen. 
to listen to what God would have for you. To stop and to rest and to listen. Right? If you're unengaged, definitely you need to stop and you need to listen. What does that look like? All three of those are right here. It's time to stop and it's time to listen to how God has spoken. And I know that's a simple, little simple, tiny thing. To sit down and read the word of God. You're in the book of Matthew today. It, tell, it begins with the story of Christ. I encourage you to do that this week. Take one simple step. And as you listen to God through the reading of his word, you will open up room in your heart for Jesus to be planted in. So I want you to ask yourself this question this week. How am I going to make time to listen? Where is it going to be in my schedule to sit down and simply listen to God? To listen to his word? How am I going to do that this week? That's the question I want you to ask. How am I going to make time to listen to God this week? So we're going to pray. I'm going to pray over you. And I want you to take just a moment and think through that question. Let's pray together. Now just take a minute in this resting moment. This might be the only resting moment that you'll get today. I'm giving you one minute to just cry out to God silently and say, God, I want to hear from you. Say those words. God, I want to hear from you. And I want to listen. Now think through, when are you going to make time this week to stop the busyness, to stop the consumption, to not be distracted, and simply listen to God? Think through that. What does that look like for you? I know what it looks like for me. What does it look like for you? God, I do pray. Um, that you would be in the midst of your people, that you would speak and you would not be silent, that we are listening, Father. And we ask, we just simply ask that you would come and be present with us. Your presence filled the city of Bethlehem when you came as a baby. We pray that your presence would fill our hearts today. And God, as we take this small step, it's not the end. It's just one small step towards you. We just want to listen. And we look forward to a week of getting into your word and listening. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.